This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Afterwards, Mr. Shem, I'll let you remind me to mention a few words about him. I'd like to speak about somebody who's, I guess, his life and, and a lot of the things about him will be like a whole new world to people, a, a world that was extraordinary in what it produced, uh, extraordinary in its struggles, and um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll work it on two levels. We're going to speak first about his life and the Ishtalshlos of his life in Avedis Hashem, which in itself is it's an incredible, it's an incredible change, a milestone in in history of Avedis Hashem, and then speak about some of the public in Yangos involved. The person is the Chedusha Rim. His um, yard side is Chav Gimlada, and uh, we'll talk about his life. In, first of all, in, in, the, in, in terms of Ravoida and the Chesidus and so on, and then we'll talk about some of the public issues that he faced. He was born in 1799 and was Nifter in 1866. Uh, if you look at a lot of these people's lives, they were not very long, and it's incredible what they, what they accomplished and what they, what they went through. He was born, he was a real, he was a Goyen Oilam. He was extraordinary. It's... Uh, there's no other way to put it. He was, at nine years old, they have the Tanoim that his parents wrote, they, they got him engaged to a Hashra person. At the age of 13, he got married. His first Rebbe was the Kajnitz of Magid. Let's talk a little bit about, the first generation of Chassidus, the Baal Shem Tov was, in the, was born in the end of the 1600s and died in the 1700s. We don't know much about him. He had two, two main Talmidim, that was the second generation, or first generation, however you want to call it. After that, the Maggid of Nazareth had a few Talmidim, and this was already the third or fourth generation. Poland was this huge mass of an anomalous, uh, amorphous type of, of land in Eastern Europe. It, it, it was kept being whittled down, and, the, and there were three big Chassidish Rebbeim. There was the Chayzim Lublin, who was considered sort of the um, stereo? He was like the Rebbe of Polish Jewry. The Kajnitz and Magid was one, and there was one or two others. He learned by the Kajnitz and Magid, and two stories about when he was by the Magid, which will serve as a backdrop for something to come later. He was he was brilliant off the charts. The Kajnitz and Magid asked the Kasha, and he answered on the spot. And he smacked him. And he said, that's not the way you answer. You, you don't jump. Your answer is right, but that's not the way to answer. That's one story that was typical of the chinuf that he got. And we'll see later why it's an important story. The second story is, um, he, he asked a group at Almedim, nobody knew. The rim, Chushim, answered. And he... Um, he smacked him again, and he said, if nobody knows, don't jump up with an answer. That was the chinuch he got at that, at, at, in, in that environment. 
he also went on to the Chayzim Lublin. Chayzim Lublin was the, he was like the senior Rebbe of Poland, a big, big Tzaddik, a big Kaddish, and that was considered typical Chassidus. As he was in the Chayzim Lublin, as he was in that Kufa, he was, um, he was beginning to, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. He's beginning to get a sense something is going on. And one of the Choses Talmidim, who is known as the Yirak Kaddish, began to move away from that direction. And he slowly broke off. He, made, he started with a semi-chsidus of his own, and totally broke away completely. And it became a fire machlaikis between the Choses Talmidim. There's a famous, uh, there's a chsidish description of it, that um, that the, the there were two Yidin who didn't speak Lashon the the the, the, the kept them from speaking Lashon Hara for two decades so that when they came and told the Chayza they would be um, accepted and the and the fire was machloikas terrible machloikas what was what was the content by the way I forgot to mention like always. Whenever we speak about biographies, I want to give you where I get my material from. Um, <laughs> never believe uh, stories as stories. Th- the closest we have of a record of the Chidush is something written by his grandson, a great-grandson, called Meir Eni HaGoyla. He and, his, and a grandson of the, of the Chidush Arim, who would later become the Rebbe of Amarcha, sat and collected, uh, sifted through and material and collected whatever shmuz they had, whatever stories, cross-reference them. And Mayor Enagola is pretty much the only work that's of, that's the, that's the work. Tumo Talmidim wrote Ramasayim Tzayfim Tzfarim, which mentions stuff from him, and Siyasafi um, Kaidish. Those are the three really historical documents. In recent years, there's a Yidra, Yitzhak Al-Fasi, he's still alive at Merasim, he writes a lot about Chassidus, he put it together in a more modern form, but that's the source material. There isn't much other source material. There's a handful of letters from him, but th- this is really where m- materials are coming from, plus the stories of Machlaikas are mentioned other places in Bar Chava. What was, what was the fight? What was the struggle? And it would later evolve into a much more intense fight. The old Hasidus, as typified by the Chayza and the Apt and so on, was a Chatzah headed by a good Yid, Talmud Torah was not emphasized. Talmud Chachamim were not held in terribly big esteem. The verita, the type, of the typical, and again, it's hard to, to say a class for everything, but by and large, the flavor was they would speak on a pasuk. There was no pretense that the pshat had anything to do with the pasuk. Really, the pasuk was kind of just words that would sort of. Um, would sort of uh, give the a backdrop. The, the information the Rebbe told you, it would go something like along the lines of, sometimes there's an hugger by, by big tzaddikim that this, this is how they act in such and such a case, and this is what they have to do for this and this reason. And that's why the Pasuk says this, the Pasuk has no shaykhs to it. it was, and it was all, it was very based, it, the word was hadroch and avodah Hashem, based on a moon and the tzaddik that he knows what he's doing. There was a lot of emphasis on doing good things and more good things and and Hasidism 
and and all sorts of um, it, 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 all sorts of vidurim <coughs> and hanhogis kedoshes. There was Hasidus until that point. The Yidah Kaddish, and it and it became a lot sharper, a lot more emphasized in the Talmud, the Bunim of Shischa. They they were um, what's the right word for devil's advocates, and they said Hasidus is it as can I ask you just you know not the they had emphasized, unless you want to break away and make your own this, but other than that, <laughs> the, the, um, the, um, they had emphasized the, they had emphasized the primacy of emis. In other words, they felt, first of all, unless a person is a real Talmud, the only thing that takes real sweat is to sit and learn, and any other activity is, is suspect. Sitting and learning was considered to be the yisaida yisaidis. The 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 they instead of adding more and more shena and hagis, what they did was they kept um, punching holes in the old anhagis. Basically, their their statement was when you put on a big gartel and a and a tall strimal and and white socks you're basically filling yourself up with hot air. And there's no emis to it. And, and the, 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 the point of that Torah was to ask yourself, are you honest or not honest with yourself? There's a word from Dusha Rim that brings it out. He says, when a Kaddish Baruch Hu asked Kayin, Loma Yecha Pecha, Loma Choralucha, when he, when he um, it didn't, uh, you know, when, it wasn't, uh, uh, when his karma wasn't accepted, he said, what was the Kodesh asking? Of course. I mean, if your karma is not accepted by Kodesh Baruch Hu, of course you should be upset. What was the question? So Rishim said his question was, are you upset because a Kodesh Baruch Hu didn't accept your carbon? Are you upset or are you upset because he accepted Hevel's carbon? That was the question. Very, very sharply pointed towards the person and questioning the person and the emits of what he's doing. That was... A, a really a core value was Midas Emes and instead of a person adding more and more Shein on Hagis, they needed to start stripping away on Hagis and questioning where the Emes lies. Um, they also, as, as the Yid HaKadosh's Talmidim took over, uh, the Yid HaKadosh died before the Chayzim Lublin, despite the fact they were, they, they, they were very, very uh, antagonistic relationships. He died in 1815, approximately. Rabunim Shishcha took over. Rabunim was even sharper than Yudha Kaddish, and his chassidim were, they declared war on other chassidim. They, they would really antagonize and provoke other chassidim. Other chassidim did not take kindly to it. And they considered, and they considered the Pshishch as a wild animal, and people that should be gotten out of, Chassidus out of Kali Yisrael. Um, I was reading, I once read that somebody, Iron Marcus, who was a German Jew who became a Chassid, at the turn of, at the end of the 1800s, and he writes about Pshishch, that it's a wild movement, and has no future because the, the guys are crazy. An example he gave was, in a shtetl on Rosh Hashanah, 
Shisosidim came very early to the shul. They finished davening rather quickly before anyone came, and they sat to learn the back. And people came, they started davening, and in the middle of davening, someone comes out to them and says, boy, say, you know, it's late, why aren't you davening? They started yelling at him, davening is nothing, learning is the important thing, you're fooling yourself. The kids, they, they came to blows. They were very provocative. They accused them of, uh, I don't know, the, the Chayza gave somebody a, a, a gartel, or the Apta gave somebody a gartel as a schooler, a white gartel, so they went ahead and blackened it. They, they were very, very provocative, antagonistic, and spoke sharply against everybody everything. That was, that was the, the, the sum of the movement. Like upon him, the, 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 um, the, the, the Chedush was by the, the Maggid, the Maggid passed away in 1815, and he started going to the Maggid's son. The Maggid's son was um, the Chesidish forms say that he was very nister, meaning whatever was his milus were not overt. You know, he wasn't an over, a known Talmud Chacham son, but the, the Chesidish went, I guess, as covered his father. One day, he left him. The, the story that he left him was that he said once, a, a, he said a good pshat, and the, the Maggid's son was so impressed that he bent over and kissed him. And the Chesidish said, I'm looking for a Rebbe to thrash me, not to kiss me. I need somebody to, 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 to work me to the bone, to demand of me. And I guess the patch that, is, that the cousins is, uh, the, the cousin Magda given him was what he was referring to. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to look into a place where somebody is going to pat my ego and, and uh, massage it. And he left him. And he went to Pshischa. The Reb Moshe, the Magid, the first Shabbos that he realized that he's not here anymore and he's gone, he was very, very upset. He was depressed. And he, he just the whole Shabbos, he couldn't do anything. And he said, maybe to just disband Kajnitz and forget about it because he said, it's Rebbe Shemaya, the, the, the Rim Rebbe Shemaya, have felt me now. He, he's, he's missing every step of the way I need him. And he's not there for me. He said, and then he said, he destroyed my Shabbos, his Shabbos will be destroyed. The Chedusha Rim had 13 children who died in his lifetime. The, that's, that's a fact, they all died on Shabbos. The, there's an added part of the story, which I guess is a little more tenuous, but the, this first part is certainly evident that 17 times he went to the Pshischa Rebbe, he traveled to the Rebbe, and he had 17 tragedies in the family. Besides his kids dying, there were, there was his wife died, this and so on. And he said, I knew that it would cost me dearly. But truth has no price, and truth is in Pshischa. I mean, it, this is, it's a story that's mind-boggling. He said, and Pshischa, the people who went to Pshischa were very bright, they had an extraordinary they were attracted to the emes of Pshischa to the no-nonsense of it and, and Pshischa kept banging away at you questioning if you're emes questioning um, you, you know, if you think you are what you are and, and who you are very, very sharp the biggest example, Pshischa, the biggest talent was the Kafka him, the Chedushim became a chassid in Pshischa, and many Rebbeim sent 
uh, to try to get the Chedushim to become their Chassid. He was the prize catch in Poland. He was a genius, a huge Talmud Chacham, a recognized Tzaddik and Anav. His being part of a group meant that that group would be would become the Chash of a group. He went to Pshischa and he never turned around. Once he, did, he resisted going there, but after he went there once, he said, this is Emes. And he stayed with it. The, um, the antagonism to Pshischa grew. So somewhere between 1815 to, I guess, 1837 or so, when the Pshischa passed away, uh, 1827, the, um, the Hasidim got together and they decided they're going to put Pshischa into Cherem. And the occasion was, there was a wedding in Ostila, which was a, a shtetl very close to, to the borders of Poland and Austria. And it, it was very close to a whole bunch of borders. And it was a, a chasna between two of the big chatseris. And there were over 200 rebbes with their at the wedding. It was a huge wedding. And the anti-Pshischa group decided, since one of the Mechotanim grandfather was Reb Meir Apta, the Apta Rav, he would of Yisrael, he was the most senior rabbi in Poland, and even the Pshischas couldn't disregard it. If he would put them into Cherem, they'd have to disband. He was too big for anyone to start up with. And they decided at the wedding they would sit him down, and they would debate it, they would bring all the shmuels about Pshischa to him, and they would once and for all lock them out of Israel. Um, the Pshischa found out about it, he was going to go. Um, the Kotzka said, there's no way you're going, because if, they, if you go, it's going to be worse. They decided instead to send the Chedusha Rim with some others. Chedusha was a young person. He was, must have been in his 30s by, by my reckoning. And he came to the Chasna. Nobody knew who he was. A group of, a group of Chesidim amongst hundreds and thousands, a thousand Chesidim. The Apta sat, and he said... No, he said, we have so many Chashviyidin here, maybe we can get an answer to a, to a kash I've had. And he asked the kash on the Rambam. And people started giving Tirutzim back and forth, nothing was good. And the, the Chidush Arim told somebody a Teretz. And this person he, um, he, he, he told him, it was one of his Chaverim, it, it says, Lomata Boish, Lekachtivchata, why is whispering it? You were sent here to save Pshischa. Tell him. So he got up his guts and he, he sort of said it very loud. People started arguing and the Aptis said the whole commotion. I said, what's this? So he said, I have a terrorist. And he said it. And the Aptis was extremely taken by it. And he says, Yingaman, what's your name? He said, Shemaiah. He says, and which rebbe do you go to? He said, Pshischa. And there was a stunned silence. And he invited him to sit at the head table together with his friends. Then they started attacking back and forth, pro and con, Pshischa. Um, the the Misnagdins of Pshischa started telling him the after what's bad about Pshischa. And they said they don't learn. So someone said, well, this young man said a tarot that nobody else said. What do you mean they don't learn? And back and forth. And finally, um, they, they held the ground and the after um, put him by next to him, and that was it. He he um, 
he, he decided there's no case against Shiska, and he held on to him. He picked of all the people that night to dance with, he danced with the Chedusharim, and he said, Taira, the Apta, he said, it says, he said, what's the lefikach? So he said that the Bria doesn't have the guts to stand up you need to have guts so the Bria doesn't have it but when Shabbos, when it says Mizrah Shoyim Shabbos, when Shabbos was created praising Hakadosh Baruch Hu Be'etzim, the whole Bria followed, and they also said Shira Sheva. And then later in the Chasn, he turned around and he said, the Shabbos in this Olam is this young man, is this Shemaya, and he leads, he leads us. That was his. That was, and with that. The, the, it, at least Pshiska held its ground and they could not um, they couldn't shake it that was a very famous chasna and it was a turning point it was a certain watershed in Polish chasidus Pshiska became more consolidated after the Pshiska died in 1827 or so um, the, the, um, there was a question who would take over the Kotska or Bichemaya the, the rim. At they they spoke it over to themselves, and after a few hour discussion, it was a few months of, of, of back and forth. But after a few hour discussion, the chedushim walked out of the room, and he said the rebbe will be out shortly to daven minchav and he was machted the the, the Kotska as rebbe. For twenty two years, he was his equal. If anything, the the chedusha rim might have been. Uh, a, 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 a little older Chidusharim was was Cheshava as in the Chabura. I think he used to sign before. He, w- he was Cheshava considered. For 22 years, he private Chassid to Rebbe, and they asked him. Um, someone asked him, like, why didn't you become Rebbe? He said, I found the Emes, and when you find the Emes, you bow totally to the Emes. He once took his grandson. Um, to visit him, and the grandson was very, very young. And someone asked him, what is he getting out of it? He said, once in his lifetime, he'll have seen an emesayit. And the Chedusha Rim basically was kaif himself to the Kotska. I mean, he didn't live in Kotska, he lived in, in Warsaw, he did things in Warsaw, he was active, he had a yeshiva, but really, really... Meteris um, Rebbe, he, he, he wouldn't, he refused any genunim of, of a rabistva, and he was totally kafuf to the Kotska. The Kotska's Hanhagas was, became sharper and sharper and more difficult. Um, what the Pshischa demanded from his chassidim, the Kotska was much more intense, and people couldn't take it. And they began breaking away. One, two, three groups broke off from the Kotska, from the Onchsidis, also with Bitter Machlokas, they went the other direction. They said the Kotska's derech is crazy. It, it, it demands till a person can't give anymore. And someone described it, it's wonderful that the surgeon is so good at cutting people, but if this patient doesn't wake up from the operation, the, the operation was a success. It's very nice you can take somebody and cut them to pieces. 
and make ash and blotter from him, but if you can't put them together again, what's the point of it? And they broke away, and they, and they made their own thing. Chusarim was the only one that stood by his side. Chusarim also made his business to visit all the Gainim and Gedolim of the Dar. The Nesibas held of him, Rebbe Kivega held of him tremendously, Kivega was very much of him. He had a fight with Kivega. There was a question of Machlekes in about it in Torah. Kivega held one way about the Matpisim in Slavita and Vilna. Chusarim um, held not like that. He wrote a very Mechubrika letter. He, was, he, he made his business to visit come out every other Gadol there was to visit. And I think the reason was to be able to give Pshischa and Kosk its standing. The truth was he accomplished it because he was... The Rebbes before him were very Rebbish. People didn't, were not Masher of Tim where they were not. There was also a, not a clear, there was an aura of being like this big tzaddik, and it was strange. The Chushirim had was very <coughs> big enough, very down to earth, very straightforward, and, you know, and, and it, was, it was very easy to connect and see that it was genuine. And he was one of those giant Gedolechsidas that gained them the credibility of, of the rest of the world. Most of them actually were Polish uh, him, Davne Nazer, who was a little bit later than him, or, or the, he was the Kotzka son-in-law. Um, there was the Sfasemis, there was the Tzemach um, Tzedek. There were a few of those girls that they were both Geonim and Torah, by all counts. They did the Vichayim. They were also very straightforward on Haggis. It wasn't these mysterious Rebbe Shanhagas, there was a straightforwardness to it that allowed them <coughs> to um, that allowed them to re- that they could connect to the world outside and gain the credibility that they really needed, desperately needed. He took over and he became Rebbe seven years before his Nifta. Uh, after the Kotsky passed away, there was a Shaila, his son took over this and that. Finally, in 1859, he became an official Rebbe. He didn't want to be, he wasn't in Warsaw, he was in, in Gare, which was close to Warsaw. And in some ways, there was, um, there was they, they used to call them the seven full years. He changed, what he did was, he took the Kotska and Haggis and moved them back to normal. He, he, the davening used to be very late in Kotsk, he moved it back to regular time. He took away the sharp hanhagas that were only shayach to chidei skula, that were only shayach to like if, if people who were who were like uh, unique. He got rid of them, or at least certain enough for the tzibur. It became a very mainstream hanhaga, warm, welcoming, community-oriented, um, you know, in, embracing. It kept the emes. In other words, the, the signal of the Torah was still. To get a, a, you know, to to pshat pasik, Talmud Torah was very choshev, but it 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 became a lot more user friendly. It became a derech for tzibur instead of for yechidim that were kind of at the edge. Those seven years established the core of Pilas Chidus. What we have today really came from that. After the the, the Shirim was nifta in 1866 for four years. He didn't leave any children. They all died out. Uh, the sons died out. The Chayev. For four years, 
his chassidim went to Alexander, who was a friend of his, and then when he was nifted, he went back to the Sasemis, who was a grandson of, 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 of uh, the Chilusharim. And all the Polish chassidim, even those not, it, it moved in that direction. The direction became compatible with, with the rest of the world in terms of a primacy of Talmud Torah, Halacha. You couldn't just give sort of rebbish, you know, like this is what I think on Ruach HaKodesh. Things, things had a solidity and a strength that, um, that really became the, 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 the um, foundation for Chassidus to this very day, for Polish Chassidus. That was his personal life. Um, one extraordinary, extraordinary Hagosha of his, when his last son was sick and dying, his last son's name was Avram Martha, and he died when he was about 40 years old, when, when Avram Martha was 40. In other words, he was a grown person. He was the father of the Sasemis. He was a wonderful person. And when he died, he, his, he told his wife, he, 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 held his, he held his own. And he told his wife, if there'll ever be a person who suffers, he'll be able to say, it's Shemaya lost 13 children, all of his children, Bechayev, and didn't have one bit of tiny tribunal shalom. What right do I have? He says, that's, that's what I will become. When they buried him, he started crying, and they asked him, why are you crying? He said, I had a mitzvah v'shinatron v'necha, and I don't have it anymore. That was his personal life. Um, let's go over to back to some of the public things and, and the framework of some of the public uh, arena, which was very important. In 1830, there was a revolt of the, uh, there was a revolt of the Polish. What happened was Poland basically became an autonomous, semi-autonomous entity under Russia, under the Tsar. In 1830, the Polacks rebelled. Um, the Chidusha sided with them, helped them. They forced his father-in-law, who was a wealthy man, to give them a huge loan, which was basically the sum total of all of his assets. And when the Poles lost, first of all, Chidusha had to run away. He changed his name from Rottenberg. His name was Rottenberg. He was a, he was a, he was a grandson of uh, a, a descendant of Marami Rottenberg, not a grandson, a descendant. He changed it to Alta. His father lost every nickel of his money, and he was terribly poor, destitute for a few years. He had a brother who decided to give him. He, did, he refused to take any money for being rebbe or teaching or anything like that. And Adayom. Polish Chassidus got rid of pidyon. There was no, there's no pidyon. You don't leave the Rebbe money when you come for brachas. There was something that was very anathema to him. Um, what he did was his brother, Chilusharim was actually a very learned person. He knew Pol- Polish fluently, which was highly unusual. He could write and read and speak it fluently. He knew sciences. Um, his Rebbe, the Rebunim Shischa, was a, a, um, a pharmacist. That was his Pinasa. And those of the pharmacists was an educated person. And 
he also learned pharmacy, he also knew chemistry, and he took him to help him. He had a factory that produced, I think, vinegar. He was like the, he was, he, he gave the ATIS in terms of the production and so on. And that was a stick of In 18, at the end of the 1840s, 1850, the Russian, the Tsar published a Xera, and this was done with the um, instigation of Maskilim. Two things. First of all, that Jewish Hadarim had to learn Goyish subjects. And two, Jews had to shave their beards and payas and cut their begodim to become modern. And this was, obviously the, the, the Tsar couldn't care much, it was mostly instigated by Jewish Maskilim. And there was a big, big machlekes amongst the Rebbes about what should be the approach. Should they, should they call for Messias Nefesh? Or they should, um, they should go, or, or, or no, it's not something that doesn't say any place in the Torah that you have to wear Nefesh to wear Kapata, and they shouldn't. It was a big machlekes. The Chedusha Rim and Yitzhak Varka, his friend from Kutsk, held with Messias Nefesh. He said it's Arkasad Masana, they have to make a stand on it. The Kutska, his Rebbe, didn't hold like him. And he said, where does he get the nerve to order Kali Yisrael to death? I also understand a little bit in 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 uh, I can I can read Shukharach and and, and Show me where it says. It was a big machlaikis. Khdusharim held strong. Um, and, he, and people hold strong. They arrested Echdusharim for a while. At the end, they, there was too much public pressure. They let him go. But they, um, but they actually, what they did was, they made, he, he fought very hard. And, and I, I want to just give over an idea of what it's like. They needed to be mishtadled by Jews to go and to be mishtadled against Xera. So there's a story, he went with a friend of his to a Moscow to beg that they should intercede with the government. He said they went to him on a Shabbos and he was sitting and smoking on Shabbos. And they had to talk to him. And the room was devastated. He said, I can't believe that this is what I have to do in order to get the Xeria bottle. What happened in the end was that they, they gave a choice. You could either dress European or you could dress Russian. Dressing Russian meant... You can keep your beard and payas, but you have to stick your pants in the socks. That's why Gareth's stick their pants in the socks. And to wear those little hats that you ever see the younger Siddisha kids, that's where it comes from. But it was something that he fought very... And it's interesting. He himself was educated. He himself knew languages, knew science. But in the Hadarim Bishum it was by him, Yahare Val Yavr, that it shouldn't, they shouldn't let in. In the year 1840, there's a, the Zayakar says that in in Tafresh of Elif Hashishi, there's going to be a big revelation of Chachma. And a lot of people thought Mashiach is going to come. There were Rebbes that said Mashiach is going to come. They slept with... They slept with uh, uh, there's one Rebbe who had a, who had a Shamish, had to be awake all the time, with a Shaif in case Mashiach comes, he immediately blows and so forth. He came out very strong against it. He held, it's not true. It, it would get people's expectations up. And he proclaimed high and low it's not true, that's not shot at all, it means either Chachma 
Chitzainis, which it was, or it means that there'll be um, different Giluim, whatever it was, had nothing to do with Mashiach. And, and he was very strident about opposing it. And, and I guess you can learn from it that something that's false is... He wrote for him in his life the fascinating thing. He wrote a lot. And what was published was a tiny drop. The, he, he, his grandson writes that he burnt more Sfarim than he wrote. And the criteria for burning Sfarim was if he felt there was a tiny drop of Shaloy Lashma, of too much personal satisfaction from a safe, he burnt it. There was one Chibur he wrote on Chashemishpat. He wrote, we have on Chashemishpat two Chalakim. He wrote a big Chibur on Chashemishpat. His Rebbe, the Kotzka, looked at it and he said, it is incredibly good. But, I'm afraid if this Chibur comes out, people will forget the Shach. They won't know the Shach. And it's not right that somebody from Aladar should be Matchik the Shach. And he burnt it. He burnt that Chibur. Incredible. What we have left over from him is Chidushim al Shach. It's around, it's available. We have it in Yeshiva. He has on Shokharach, on Chajmish Halakim. He also has. He wrote a very on Chumash called Seifas Chus. His children and grandchildren collected a lot more and they put it out, um, you know, Likutim, more Likutim, and so on and so forth. We'll share two verita on this subject, I guess, and just so that we get a flavor of, of it. The first one is, it says that the Nesim brought the Abnishoam. Nesim is spelled without uh, uh, by Nesim he view it's Abnishoam it's Abnimulum it's spelled without a yud. So Rashi says because they said we'll wait till everybody else um, gives and then we'll give and whatever's missing. So it was a grand gesture. They were trying to um, give a lot, but still they were punished and the yud is missing. So why why were they punished? Why what was wrong? Yes, two or three different, in different times, different Kufas gave different Mahalchim. But one that I especially found, he said, they, they didn't, the Chisarin was that they didn't feel part of Kali Yisrael. In other words, let the plebeians bring what they bring, and then we'll come in and give more. There was a lack of Tzirah to Kali Yisrael. And since the Mishkan is supposed to be a Tzir of Akal Yisrael, that was a Pagan. And the Yud that they're missing is the Yud of Yisrael. That's one Pshat. Then he says on another Pasik, it says that they brought a lot of stuff. And it says the Lushan is that. Let's get to the. So he says, what was wrong? They're afraid it'd be too much. What was, what was the problem with having too much? So one shot he says is, because somebody will be left having given something for the Kodesh that wasn't used, and it's a tremendous disappointment. 
That's one agasha. But then he says another pshat. He says the chet of the eagle was that there was a chachma meruba mimaisef. In other words, they wanted <coughs> closest to Kaddish Baruch Hu, but they didn't know boundaries of where you can and where you can't. When, rut, when what you want, and it, it, the of Chachma Ruba Maisov is that your inner self has more yearnings and ideas than you really can express Lamaisa. That's a Sakana. Because it floats around not finding a way to express itself and it causes harm. So the eagle, the people had this Hagasha, they want somebody should bring them, somebody should take them. Moshe Rabbeinu is not here, so we'll take the eagle. He said, this was supposed to be a kapara for the eagle. The Mishkan is a kapara for the eagle. So to, to bring, to, to be menadev lev in excess of what you can actualize leads to no good. And that's why the vayikolei ha'omihavi, that they reigned in themselves and didn't bring that was that was uh, that, that was an important ticker and a connected of what was the problem of Hatego. That's those are two varieties of the passion. Um, his after he was nifter, like I said, four years Alexander took over and then and that became Shoshalus Gare and so on. It's it's extraordinary because A his um, it, it was a turning point in Hasidus that legitimized Hasidus. It helped bridge the gap um, to, to, to the rest of the world. Two, it also, it also steered and corrected to some degree some of the issues that were there in Hasidus. And he was able to bring it, A, to bring in the ethnic kud of Torah and Emes and so on that was lacking, and he was able to tone it down. He gave it the tone and set the right type of mahalach, which, which became the mahalach really in many ways. Um, I wanted to add, obviously, I wanted to add just someone that reminded me of Ramea Shusta, somebody I knew just passed away a few weeks ago. Ramea Shusta was an incredible person. Um, again, I don't know how many you know the name, how many don't know the name. When I, in, in, the 19, in the 70s, when people started, when the whole concept of a Chuva movement started, um, there was Every, you know, people made yeshivas, people said shurim and stuff like that, Shatorah, Sameach, Mokon Shlomo, and others. He was the person who probably brought most people into those yeshivas. He was an American, he had learned in Israel. He was quiet, shy, thin. The last person you would expect ever to do it. He would stand by the kaisel, tap people on the shoulders, and say, Would you like to be set up for a meal for? Shabbos. Um, would you like to learn more about Judaism? It, it never, he never had more than a minute or two per person just because that was personality. He didn't have more than that. Something about him drew people and the population of most of these yeshivas were his. Uh, it was incredible. Day in, day out, morning and night. Nothing from self. He, he was totally selfless. Um, it's something that's incredible. He, he, he had a six-year-old daughter that was killed, the car hit her, and, his tire, 
And he went to Shabbat Shalom, should he sit Shiv or not? He said, every day that I'm not at the Kaisal, a few more people slip away. What's the halacha? And Rasha told him, Ikra didn't, you're right. Ikra didn't, you should be at the Kaisal, not sitting Shiva. He said, but it's a Pirza. People will not uh, pay kindly to it. Um, he was a one-man show. He then, later years, made the um, Heritage House, where people could stay a few days, and he would come here, raise money occasionally for it. The last few years of his life, he wasn't that old. He must have been probably 70 when he passed away, I would guess. Um, he had a terribly debilitating disease that destroyed him. And um, it was really a person who, for our door, it was somebody who was Kulil Hashem. Everything he did was, you know, on the whole person, there was nothing he would write. He would keep, he would keep in touch with many of the people that he brought in, write them letters and postcards and this and that. He, he wasn't a man of many words. Reb Noach said the best line about him. In line with, it says, Hillel Mechayas Haniyam, Reb Lozen Chasa Mechayas Hashirim, he said, The people say they can't do Kira because they're embarrassed and they don't know how to talk and they don't know what to say. He said, there are no people more embarrassed and shy than Meir Shusta and have less words than him. And he did it because he wanted to do it, because it was real to him, and because he felt that that was his whole mahus. He said he's Mechai of all of us. Just, uh, so it was right to, to note his, his fear and so on. He's a Chabarachim.